Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Story Blender. I'm Stephen James, and this is where great storytellers share the secrets to great storytelling. As you probably know, if you've ever listened to the show before, I'm a huge fan of both television shows and also of novels, really a well-told story uh, wherever I can find it. And I kind of have a secret love of horror stories. I grew up reading them and have always kind of been in love with them. So I'm really thrilled to speak to today's guest. He's accomplished in both the film world and in print, and his latest book, Piñata, looks like it's right up my alley. So here's a little bit about him. Leopoldo Gut is a Mexican immigrant, award-winning producer and filmmaker, visual artist and author who has written, packaged, published, and developed books for more than a decade, both under his own name and with several major publishers and with other writers under his own imprint at Simon & Schuster. He was co-president of the James Patterson Entertainment Company for many years, and he is currently producing award-winning uh, author Marlon James' original debut for television, Get Millie Black. He's worked with his brother as a showrunner for American Jesus and Filthy Rich. He is the creator and writer of No Man's Land and Spy Masters. He's also worked with uh, CBS on Instinct and Zoo and also the show Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life. His latest project is the spine-chilling book, Piñata. Leopoldo, thanks for being here so much, and uh, also congrats on the new book. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Stephen. And I'm uh, very excited because I digged into your world and, you know, ordered some of your books, and I can't believe that you do this for all of us <laughs> storytellers. I feel like it's amazing that you're giving your time to invite other storytellers to tell our stories in your platform. So thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. And you know, it's um, it's for me a little bit selfish because I get to pick the brains of some of the best writers and storytellers and producers on the planet and just say, what makes a story work? And so it's, uh, it's just a fantastic honor and privilege to be able to speak with folks like you about stories, storytelling, creativity. And I wanted to start with this idea of creativity a little bit. Uh, now, I've heard some people say that creativity is the ability to bring order out of chaos. And I was wondering, what do you think of that? Or what is it for you that would kind of define what creativity is all about? I kind of disagree. I think that creativity is also is both that, but also how to bring chaos into some ordered world. Because mm. most creative people are people, you know, when you grow up being hyper creative, you, you know, most of us are not that good in school. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm not comparing myself to anyone uh, because I, you know, I'm not as good as, as all of these people. But like Albert Einstein was mm. screamed at school for being all over the place and, and a little chaotic. And there's a lot of like samples of artists and writers who, who didn't do that well in, in the order world and brought some chaos into their lives. I always say one of my, uh, big sayings is I, I, I've been searching for my inner adult since I'm a kid uh, <laughs> like and, and, and I've never found it. Uh, so, so it's an, it, you know, in, in, 
in, in, in bringing some creativity, it's, it's switching off the light bulb hmm. in your, in your brain and letting ideas flow through you. Because I do believe that creative people, we are more than, more than somebody that, that is kind of chosen at all. I think it's just, you are open for a frequency. Hmm. So we more than, than, than I think that the idea of creativity that you're, you're making order you, or you're making else, it's very, I believe it's a very Western approach to creativity. Hmm. It's very, um, patriarchal because hmm. I really do believe that creativity is more like a frequency that you synchronize and, 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 and you, and you capture. And that's why sometimes, and this has happened to me many times where you have an idea, you work on something very specific for years and then somebody mm-hmm. published the same exact idea. <laughs> and, and actually it happened to me recently and, Oh, and no. their book was and their book was better than mine. So I it was oh, no. uh, Stephen King's son, and, and literally we had the same exact idea. And when I read his book, I was like, t- like literally five years of, of of research, I had to throw it away because it was the same thing. And I don't mind. It's just you know, I'm sure it happened to other people of ideas that I created um, that uh, you know that somehow it. Um, it flowed through me and that some other person had it. So it's, it's, it just happens. So creativity is more abstract and more wonderful mm. and more unpredictable than chaos versus order, which is yeah. the do du- I'm, I'm, I'm a little opposed of the Western duality of good and evil and, mm. uh, uh, you know, uh, order and chaos. I feel like we live in a, in a nebulous frequency mm. that it's, that it's that has a little bit of both things. Hmm. Yeah, now it's interesting. And uh, let's say someone uh, is listening and they're like, "Oh, well, he's creative. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's an artist." Like they might say, "I'm not creative. I I don't know that frequency." And um, what would you say to folks who maybe have, have been telling themselves maybe for years, "I'm just not creative. I can't, you know, think in that way, receive in that way." What What would you say to those folks? Well, every Every business, every everything that you possibly could do has an element of creativity. Yeah. Um, if you see, an, you know, a hunter gatherer in a community in the in the middle of of a remote land, they 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 come up with existential creative ways uh, ways to solve their problems. I mean, I think that people that that um, if you want to be creative, there are many systems that can open your mind into those frequencies. If you want to, if yeah. you keep telling yourself that you're not creative and you just want to, you know, I know people like that. They work in uh, banking systems or whatever, and they say, I, I'm just not creative. And I always think like, well, you should because you're controlling my my freaking money. <laughs> so you, you better be creative because a lot of the times you guys uh, screw up. And, you know, I believe very much that um that i have the the ability to teach a little you know random people how to explore that their creative side but 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 it starts with wanting to be some mm. people just don't want deep down they don't want to be they mm. just want to uh you know they they, they they're there and there's nothing wrong about it they want other things in life although i do believe that lack of creativity lack of curiosity Le- lends into 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 poverty of mind into tyranny mm. you know a lot of the 
the you know awful people in in the world is just their lack of curiosity mm. of not 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 caring or wanting to know who's your neighbor why is he there what is his feelings or his thoughts or you know and, and that always leads to you know uh the demon the demonic people around us mm. That's super interesting. When you were talking about that, I was thinking of uh, writing classes I've taught sometimes, and I'll say to the class, all right, I want you to write a story. And I'll sit down and five minutes later, nobody has it. I say, why didn't you write a story? I couldn't think of anything. And then I'll say, okay, in the next five minutes, I want you to write a story about a pickle that doesn't want to get eaten. At the end of five minutes, everybody has their pickle story. And it's kind of like this almost paradox, I feel like, that there that the limitations by saying pickle doesn't want to get eaten, whatever, you have a character, desire, story, all of a sudden the limitations free you up to come up with this story. I said, you folks had that potential within you. It was just you were intimidated by the thought, I can write about anything, so we don't write about anything in the end. Well, I love what you said, but look at how my brain works. <laughs> so when you said, I want, I have a pickle in a jar that wants to get out, in my brain, because English is like a, it's my second language. So it's like a, a pot of clay for me that I pick mm. and use. So for me, I have a pickle in a jar. So it was, it was a, literally a pickle that I have with someone. So I have a problem oh. with someone that was in a jar. And now the story is about my pickle that I put it like in voodoo. I put my pickle in a jar. So I have not a problem with that. And as soon as I open, like the, the, the you know, the pickle doesn't want to be eating because in voodoo <laughs> you eat in the voodoo society you eat the problems and you can eat the the the, the dark forces around you huh. so so i love that about the imagination that yeah there are a million ways to say it i i i hope the way that i all of your class i hope no one came up with my pickle which <laughs> is not a vegetable but a amorphous problem that is captured in a jar and he doesn't want to be eaten <laughs> no, that's he just wants to fight. It just <laughs> wants to fight. I love how you mentioned earlier too, just the importance of curiosity and um and kind of the connection between uh, being curious about the world and actually even I feel like you said something about bridging to other people that there seems to be a kind of a connection between curiosity and empathy. Like the more curious we are, I feel like sometimes we can understand people maybe who are different in a different way and. If you lack that, if you don't pursue that, maybe that may, I don't know, maybe that has something to do with, uh, you know, relationships and, and conflict. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I think one of the biggest tragic tragedies of, of the, of, of, of us education is, is that they don't force multiple languages as much as they do it mm -hmm. in Europe. And I think, yeah. um, uh, understanding different languages produces in your head. Uh, uh, another side of curiosity because there's a lot of things that you don't understand yeah. as you're learning them and 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 it's uh, and that that's just a poverty. I mean, I envy like my people, like my my late wonderful mother who used to speak five languages, and oh, wow. or my sister, uh, my older sister who speaks three, four languages. Like I envy that ability. I I I have a much more visual out. You know, I, I have um, dyslexia, so I had a, a much more bigger problems with my language skills. In mm. fact, writing is extremely difficult for me, and I've had to mm. create uh, a million um, 
a million layers of uh, of 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 information mm. that that I that I want to 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 explore and, and go through, but in multiple languages that again languages are like frequencies. Mm. Um, you know, and and, and 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 to me that's the that's the, the origin story of curiosity of not mm. understanding somebody else and then trying to figure out how are they saying things. And art books are the same thing. It's like a journey to decipher, mm. you know, what's in between the lines and what's in between the canvas, what's in between the 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 imagination of somebody else. So it's a, it's an adventure, and you know it's a uh, it's a wonderful adventure. Yeah, to, be, to do what we're doing. Yeah, I I have tried to learn other languages. I've never done very well. I think it's because I wasn't taught another language when I was young. When I was in high school, I tried to learn it, and I just never did very well with that. So I think you're right. That would be a super important. My um um. My actually, my uh, daughter has a little girl that she's teaching both uh, Spanish and English, and so that's pretty exciting. That she's three and she's starting to know more than I do about other languages. It's amazing. It's just a channel. I mean, if they if they would have tried to teach it to you mm. early. You would have done it. It's just a systematic problem in American education. Yeah. That's that's all it is. Because a lot of people in Mexico can speak English, and mm -hmm. it's. Uh, taught in schools and stuff and it's just uh i think it, it's an advantage it gives you an advantage hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting as long as we're talking about different cultures and um, different countries i know your stories have been told in many different countries i was curious do you find that there are some universal uh storytelling principles that people all over the world tend to connect well with that's a big question because obviously there is a colonialism of story hmm. with, I'm a huge fan of American stories. You know, I'm, one of my favorite movies of all time is, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> you know, where the science nerd wins the girl at the end and fights Nazis. You know, like when I saw that movie, it was like, <laughs> I was, I, my head exploded as a scientist because I'm a nerd and I love books and I love archaeology. And we grew up with, archaeologists and artists visiting our tiny apartment in Mexico City with lots oh, wow. of books. So to me, I've always wanted to explore the world and, and get out of Mexico and like go all over the world. And I was able to do it through a full scholarship in England to study uh, sculpture. And um, but, you know, the, the, the reality is that now that I've been doing movies in America and been doing uh, projects in England and uh, all over the world, I really do believe that that on the one hand, yes, there is a story kind of continuum that people can connect mm. themselves with, and you know, uh, hero of a thousand faces and all that and all that jazz. But I have a pro. I recently have had cultivated a problem with that because mm. I believe that there is a uh, diversity of imagination and cultures that that it's at odds with. Uh, traditions of you know contemporary western storytelling and, and, and the fact of the matter is that when when people come out with a well-thought structure that breaks them all like the great movie parasite which was actually like three movies in mm. one of different genres um it really worked 
and it, and it didn't feel too Hollywoody. It felt something else. Yeah, and it felt that it had a a different channel, a different frequency. Hmm. And uh, so so I I'm I'm I used to if you would have asked me a few years ago, I would have said yes. There's <laughs> uh, seven basic stories, blah blah blah. What uh, literature <laughs> courses teach you? Yeah, yeah. And, and nowadays I change my mind, and I might change my mind again. I'm very open <laughs> right now. Right now, I'm, I'm I'm rejecting the. I think there should be stories that should not be understood by hmm. every country and everyone. I think that there's stories that I want to enjoy the breaking of the rules. I want to, you know, there's a Nadine Labaki. There's this great director from uh, the Middle East that she did a, a movie called Where Where Do We Go From Here or Where Do We Go Now. She's extraordinary. I think she's one of my favorite film writer directors of all time Nadine Labaki and she her movie it's weird it's like both uh that movie she's every movie she's made is extraordinary but that movie where do we go from here is is so extraordinary because it's like part Fellini part you know Alfonso Cuaron part feminist part uh Almodovar part like every genre kind of <laughs> from very sad to to almost like a read there's in the middle of the beginning of the movie there's a almost like a contemporary performance dance ritual mm. and you think it when when I'm telling you this story you think it won't work but it really works as a yeah. movie yeah. and she acts directs produced wrote it everything and uh I you know I fell in love with her power uh oh. of breaking every rule that <laughs> making movies tell you to do she broke them all and and that movie won um, lots of awards made its money you know by tropes and and she broke every rule in the book so i'm really you you got me in a moment where i'm really i can openly say i reject completely that statement that that stories should travel i think stories should be authentic and then if they travel great and if they don't travel if they don't travel you know so be it yeah. I don't think everything should be Spielberg, which I love him, mm-hmm. but I don't think everything should be that. Yeah. I love what you said that they need to be authentic. And um, I totally agree with that. I actually wrote a book called Story Trump's Structure, how to <laughs> improve your writing and storytelling by breaking the rules. So I'm a huge fan of looking at it and saying, does this work? And I love that the example that you gave really impacted you, even though it might not have followed a specific template or formula. And um, yeah, so but now your new story, your new book, Pinata. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a little bit more horror than I think you've done in the past. You've done a variety of different, you know, books. No, actually books. not. Actually, funny enough, my first novel was published by William Morrow. It's called oh, yeah. Ghost Radio, and it was the first novel I did. And it's a horror story that has elements, like kind of like a pre, like a. There is a connection between Ghost Radio and Pinata. More than ten years later, fifteen oh, wow. years later, and and Ghost Radio is hitting a resurface uh, because the, we hired a young actor, the publisher. I didn't meet him back then, but the publisher hired a young actor, kind of like back then he was an you know he was really a struggling actor, hmm. and um and 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 uh, but he did a great job on the audiobook of Ghost Radio, oh, and wow. it turns out that he's Pedro Pascal. Now he's the you know at the height of the universe. He's the greatest actor 
that everybody is, is raving about. And he did. Uh, so now people are discovering Ghost Radio through audio books and, and, and giving great review, like a totally new review yeah. of my first novel. And there's when I wrote Piñata, I, I put little secrets in, in that started in Ghost Radio into Piñata. Oh, so yeah. I've been working on, you know, my first novel was the uh, horror book and that was inspired by one of my favorite movies of all time is the last scene, the last shot of The Shining, which is the photograph. Mm. I mean, I love the book, but I love the shot of the pan into the dolly into the photograph of Jack Nicholson in the party in the 20s uh, in the Overlook, uh, Overbrook. Uh, yeah, over, yeah. Oh. Um, sorry, I can't, I can't remember anything. Yeah, I think it is like the Overlook it. Hotel, yeah. And, 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 and the camera goes into him, so it, it makes you, f- everything you saw in the movie is that the dream of the hotel is mm. the space of the hotel dreaming of the story that you just saw or how is that photo manifest? That that question that the that the movie ends with mm. inspired me to start writing Ghost Radio because I thought like can the 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 storytelling tell you? So Piñata, it's like it's a cousin of of of, of Ghost Radio because I started to do a lot of investigation of mm. of ancient cultures in Mexico during uh, Ghost Radio. Um, I have uh, my father's family has Zapotec blood, Zapotecs where I. Uh, indigenous uh, tribe from Oaxaca, and and mm. and um, and they're a, a wonderful architects. And my father was an is an architect, and he's very old now, but but he's um he was practiced architecture many, many years. And I had a a real connection on studying the sculpture and the art from the ancient Mexico because of his passion for for that. He would take take me to the pyramids and to the Museo or Arqueología. The, the archaeology museum in Mexico, which is one of the greatest places in the world, and and that's when I've been doing these deep deep uh, deep dives into pre-Hispanic uh, cultures and and try and you know indigenous you know civilizations before mm-hmm. the Spaniards, and, and 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 then the during my investigation, I discovered the horrors of the. Uh, you know, through Octavio Paz and through the manuscripts and through my sister and through archaeologists' friends and through, you know, there's a great archaeologist in Mexico called Alberto Davidov, who's a genius. And, um, and so I, I was very moved and inspired for years and years and years reading and following their, their, their lead. And, and in one of the investigations that I, that I found uh, that triggered Piñata was because the I found something that was so horrific. I said, I can't believe no one has written about this. Mm. It, it, it's, it's, it's the craziest thing I've ever heard because when you're Mexican, you grow up, you know, every, every birthday of your friends and you, you, you get a piñata and you break it with a, with a stick and you sing this song, dale, 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 no pierdas el tino, porque si lo pierdes, pierdes el camino, which means, uh, uh, hit it, hit it, hit it, don't lose the, the aim because if you lose on the aim, you lose your way. So that was very specific and weird. You know, it was like a like it's like how can you lose your way? Uh, and you and and then then the song talks about destiny. Now, when you were writing this book, I'm curious: were there any characters that you either created or met? Because some people, some creatives, will say, "I didn't make this character up. I just met them when I was writing the story." That really terrified 
you specifically? Well, not necessarily. I was already terrified by some of the incredible things that the that the conquest did in Mexico. The systems mm-hmm. of the, the, ang- the anger and rage. And remember, I I wrote Piñata, you know, during Trump's my research was during Trump's presidency, and um, and the way he spoke about my people, about us coming to this country being not not a good person. Meanwhile, most, you know, 100% of the Mexicans that I've met in this beautiful country, my two children are American, Mexican. Uh, they were born in this country. My wife is American and her family comes all the way from the Mayflower. So mm. I, I, I love this country, but the things that some of the people said about my people were horrific. Mm. So I was, in, in the case of Piñata, I was, it was a little bit of uh, two things that happened at the same time. I had that research and then my, my daughter was turning 11 and 12. Then I could see that she was going to turn 13 while I was developing the, the book. And, uh, and, and I, and I, and I really, she was turning 13 and I was horrified on, I remember the day that uh, the last uh, unnameable president won and she started screaming and rage and that rage really mm-hmm. filtered into my, seeped into my book because mm-hmm. the, in the book there's three, female characters are really center a mother and two daughters. I wanted to explore that female mm. rage that my mother left. Uh, my mother was a very kind of well-known feminist in Mexico that did a lot of documentaries about women and, and mm. brought the, uh, the day against violence to women to Mexico. She, she did a lot of social work in like many, many years ago in the eighties in the seventies and eighties. She did that. And um, so I grew up with a, with a, very powerful feminist. And, and then my daughter is a super smart since she was like really young. And, and I, I, I kind of like, it's not that I met that I found that in this case of, I had the, the piñata premise. I had mm-hmm. the, the, the world and then listening to my daughter screaming in rage. Mm-hmm. And then what the politics of what were happening kind of like hit me really hard mm-hmm. just at the time I would start writing. So I think that, it was a little bit, I borrowed a little bit of that energy, of that rage in that manifested in the characters in the, in the book. But it's not a reference to them at all. Mm-hmm. It's a manifestation. It was a manifestation on the, on the rage. I wrote a book about my daughter that just came out a few months uh, ago called Monarca, which is illustrated. And, um, and, uh, and it's a beautiful book. Hmm. Uh, that that Harper One published uh, called Monarca, but but so I I I did a beautiful book about my daughter already. So I that she appears in that book, but in this book I I gra- I borrowed her rage hmm. and her anger, and I think that that kind of gave me the springboard for the three characters that that or um, the three characters that kind of draw, drive the, the the story forward. Yeah, that's powerful to feel um, those deep emotions, shock, rage, um, and uh, and to weave those into a story. I feel like, you know, we were talking a minute ago about like different cultures. That's stuff that anyone in any culture can identify with. Shock or rage at different things. And maybe maybe that's a moment that they can identify with. And say, I've felt that way. I know what this experience is like. And um 
I feel like sometimes those shared emotions can actually draw people in, you know, to stories, even though we might be look very different, think very different. But like when you get down to it, like the deep desires that we have as people, a lot of times I feel like that can actually draw different, different people, different cultures together in the stories we tell. Well, yeah, but again, I don't, as I said before, I don't necessarily want everybody to, to like this. I really don't. I, I really, I really feel that I made a very cathartic emotional trip into the rage that I felt hmm. of not not just the cultural colonization because that's a trope that has been very well established and explored in Mexican literature hmm. and in uh, but it's it's a it's it's the, the 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 book is about more or less, more than anything it's about the 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 forgetting that culture and mm. that language and it was mm. like what if the the gods were enraged as well not because of the conquest because remember there was the old gods were also you know they have a lot of stories of conquering they were conquering bastards as well like but what if they're angry that we're forgetting their language the sound of it there's a beautiful kind of hidden message in piñata that it's about memory it's about mm. When we, which started in Ghost Radio, it's about like if you tell their story and mm. you remember their languages, huh. can that be enough for the gods to be appeased? Or are they angry? Or will they get angry the more we forget about them? Because in Mexico, there's a very big lack of communication, understanding, respect, and, uh, and, and appreciations to the indigenous cultures and, and mm. you know, not everyone there are great connectors to that culture and there's a lot of people that that work on it but i think there's not enough that can be mm. done there's never enough and um and i think that you know uh, we for example in my next uh in my netflix show american jesus we wrote my brother and i created it and we wrote the the we were shooting in a place where there were a lot of Yaki, um, Mexican Yaki from a very specific tribe, mm. and we came to them and asked them if they wanted to participate. And we had a bunch of main characters who are Yaki that they, they that they basically agreed to participate in the story. And we we talked about the story and we integrated some of their mm. line and storylines into the into this big Netflix show yeah. based on a Mark Miller comic book. So it was an amazing experience um we we i really i'm really excited about the the opportunity Hmm. of uh of 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 listening and continuing and 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 uh being part of that uh dialogue so Hmm. so 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 that's also integrated into pinata in my in my opinion in a very organic way yeah yeah uh, when you were saying that, I remember he, I was actually touring um, Atlanta recently, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and um, one of the I found out that there's a saying in the in that area that there are three deaths. There's the, actually the physical death when you die, when your spirit leaves your body. Then there's the death of you being buried. That's like your second death. But they say the third death is when the last person speaks your name. 
so that at that point you're not remembered anymore. And so one of the things that this uh, graveyard that they do is they have different actors research people uh, that have been maybe forgotten, like the graves that they have, and then tell their stories uh, so that they're not not forgotten. I thought that was pretty fascinating. It makes me think. Yeah, of, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that that's amazing to remember and hold hold on to the past and the those who have impacted us in the past. Are, I mean, not not so much about holding on, but but synchronizing synto, with it hmm. because the past, you know, as we have, uh, as we know, the past, the present, the future are things that are constantly flowing through your process because you know most scientists will agree that you know we the way we perceive time might not be the same that other species or other intelligence Mm -hmm. might might perceive time we we perceive time in a very specific way because of our conditions so Mm -hmm. that illusion of the present past and the future is very interesting yeah again i don't want to get too goofy here or spiritual (laughs) but i but i love those paintbrushes and those textures hmm. to play with in the specific world that I created in Pinata yeah. with the monsters that I created in Pinata. Yeah, that's fascinating. Um, were, were there any secrets um, that you sort of gained or, or um, keys to telling great stories that you gained in the film world that you were able to um, integrate into the stories that you're writing? I don't think so because yeah. I love the. I learn every time when I do something as if I'm the child discovering play for the first time. Mm. Oh, so yeah. I I have that ability to to get excited with my own shadow or <laughs> the sky. I have awe of a lot of things. I wake up in the morning. I don't know if it's like you know. I have people in my family who are the opposite. They wake up in the morning and there's this big cloud of negativity and they mm-hmm. have to get out of the cloud. And I have this weird thing that I wake up every morning with a, in a very good mood huh. and I can't wait for the day to start. And I lo- love, you know, I say lovely things to my wife, my kids, even to the point where they go, oh, dad, <laughs> get away from me. You're disgusting. Because I really just want to hug everyone in the world. I, I have a lot of love to give and it's a problem some people are turned off with that and <laughs> i can't help myself and um the the the, the reality of, of of the of my process have always been uh a a a real chamber of echoes that happen between all of the formats that i play with i i mm-hmm. literally have created video games and movies and tv shows and documentaries and scripts and um plays and books and podcasts and i've i and all of these formats kind of are a nebulous and i'm not saying that i'm great at any of them i'm just <laughs> saying that i love to experience my flow yeah and 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 i think that a painting sometimes inspires things in the movie oh yeah and, and sometimes in back like we were shooting when we're prepping for American Jesus for Netflix, we definitely uh, used a lot of art that I collected and and um, and talked about it with the brilliant uh, production designer and set designers that we hired, and uh, and we were very informed in our characters of elements of art from 
cave paintings all the way to contemporary art that we were in inspired and moved by. And, and that was very important for our process. And that really came from me being an artist huh. and, 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 and expressing those elements to my brother, who's the director and the co-writer and, and, yeah. and co-showrunner of a show. And I love the, our ping pong. So I don't believe that it's that I use, I learn something in point B and then I take it back. It's a, as I said to you before, it's a, it's my jar of conundrums. And they're <laughs> all a mess. And I work through the, through the error process. My process is, it's like a big soup of mess. And then suddenly, and I don't really know where it's going to go to, mm. but I know that, I know that it's going to get there when I see that. Mm. So, so my process is really intense and nebulous and it spills like a bad painting that suddenly after trial and error and, and painting on top of it and layering and layering and layering and using your memories and scents and, oh, yeah. and visualizations and suddenly it works for mm. a second and then, and then I put it away so that I don't <laughs> overcook it. And I, you know, in the case of Piñata, I have a brilliant editors of Tor, Nightfire, mm. and, and friends that helped me, guide me, and help me not screw it up. And I, because I always, you know, once I'm done, I kind of hate my own work. <laughs> and I'm very critical, and I need people to take it away from me, or everything ends up in a soupy mess of blackness. <laughs> I love how you were talking about just the being open to all of these ideas, the flow of creativity and just being open to it and, and uh, celebrating. I love how you said, you know, um, a sort of an awe at the world that is huge. And I, and I think that, um, you know, people who are creative, people who are storytellers very often will see the world maybe with a different slant or a different openness than some of us, uh, than than some other people. Um, when you're saying all about how you wake up and you're just like your eyes are open, you're in just in awe of the world. It made me think of this. Um, many years ago, I was a counselor at a summer camp, so I was in charge of the students and so on. And there's this one camp where a boy came named Philip, and he hadn't spoken in six months. And his mom said he oh, won't wow. say anything. He'll listen, but he won't speak. So I was like. I'm going to get him to speak. Like I was, you know, it's like my personal job, but after three or four days, he said nothing. And I, I gave up. I was like, well, I can't, you know, get this boy to speak. So anyway, it was raining all morning and we were cooped up in the cabin. I went to the porch to gather ideas for what we might be able to do in the afternoon. And suddenly he walks out to the porch and looks up at the sky and there's a double rainbow in the sky. And I remember sitting there, I glanced up at this boy and suddenly he huh? raised he raised his hands up as if he were going to like embrace the day and he spoke and this boy said a sentence i'll never forget he said wow look at the world and then he disappeared again into his place that he'd retreated to he never spoke again to us but i remember sitting there writing in my notebook marvel steve open your eyes and that idea of being open to the world and embracing and being in awe of it has inspired me, you know, ever since that that day so many years ago when that little boy spoke the only time in six months and said, wow, look at the world. Wow. Yeah. It's uh that's exactly my my feeling. I mean, but maybe I'm just I have a serotonin problem, you know, like I'm just like 
I literally don't understand because I have big problems sometimes with my shows or movies or whatever we're doing. And like, you know, it's not easy what we do. And, and, um, but you know, I, I, I feel lucky to be here, to be able to tell stories, to do things. And in the case of Piñata, I, 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 I'm really hopeful that it resonates with the audience because with the readers, because I, I, I feel it's such a cathartic mm. uh, horror story that, that, that it's, you know, it, it has the elements of what I love about mm. the genre and the, and, and, and the escapade of, of literature in, in, mm. in uh, of books in general, that how they're, you know, they can transport you to a, strange new worlds yes. and you, you you become the captain of the of the inter, enterprise for a second <laughs> and, and it takes you to a world and, and i and that's what i hope that i can really immerse people into a world that they they've never seen and 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 yet of course it's a possession story so there are you know elements of the mm-hmm. of the exorcist that i you know that i played with and and other horror um experiences but but I, but I found my way into those, um, to that genre that I, that I, that I love so much. Oh, that's fantastic. And, um, I really, uh, first of all, I just have really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, appreciate your time. And, uh, before we close up, I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you just two. They're not get you, gotcha questions, but I would say the first is besides your stories that you've written. What is one novel or 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 book that you feel like everyone should read before they die? Do you have one maybe novel that inspired you or that you're like everyone needs to actually read that story? Ooh, I, I've been answering this question and I keep changing my mind over and over <laughs> and over again. So um, depending who you are, because okay, I have sure, a few yeah. books. Uh, so so depending who you are, so for. A friend of mine just asked me that, and she's a American uh, art art dealer uh, curator that is in Mexico City right now because her mom, who's also American, like grew up in, in Mexico. And for her, I I recommended the Traps of Faith by Octavio Paz hmm. because it's a extraordinary journey of a nun who hmm. the true story of a nun. Who was a genius in the 16th century in Mexico, and she was tortured by the by the church. And I love her, her genius and how she dealt with it. And mm. and he won a novel, thanks in big part from that book. Mm. And um, and it really connected me to Mexico. And I called my daughter on the name of that nun, Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz. Mm. But then, if you ask if it's you, if it <laughs> were, and I and I seeing what you wrote, what what you've been writing and stuff. I would always say you should read if you haven't the Master and Margarita by by Mikhail Bulgakov, hmm. um, because it's a it's one of the greatest books ever written, and it has that whole idea of a book inside of another book that was oh, even better than the book you're writing, <laughs> and it's uh and it's an extraordinary experience to read it and you and it's everything it, it it's oh. it's it's the origins of of uh magical realism in the contemporary oh, wow. literature scene there's you know Gabriel Garcia Marquez a lot of writers have mentioned that book in the past and mm. it's a, a book that that is also a, a weird thriller uh-huh. and a mystery and a horror story and also a love story oh wow and also a journey into 
a very busy, in the middle of the book, there's a journey into between Pontius Pilate and, and, and Jesus Christ before he's getting onto it crucified. And it's one of the greatest conversations that I've ever seen. And then there's a witch that you fall in love when you read it and you want to be in love as much as you're uh, in love with anything you've been in love with. I fell in love with the witch in that book. So there's so many different genres and cacophonies. And I always feel like if you really love writing mysteries and um, and weird, you know, looking at the body of your work and FBI stuff. And <laughs> that is quite a recommendation. So tell us again the name of that book and the author so that people can say, oh, check that yeah. out. Piñata by Leopoldo Gut. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I know, right? <laughs> and then uh, uh, Master Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov. Hmm. Excellent. But um, the, 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 but we're talking about piñata, so I hope your audience. I know, piñata. right? <laughs> no, we definitely want people to check that out. And um, uh, so, if you like stories that touch on deep emotions, uh, definitely check out piñata, and um, also check out some of the other, you know, sto- stories and shows that um, Le- um, that uh, Leopoldo has written and worked on over the years. That would be amazing. And tell us your first story again. You mentioned it earlier, like the one that ties in with Piñata. Oh, it's it's Ghost Radio. Ghost Radio. And it's getting yeah. a lot of new listeners because it was a book, but also an audio book. And the audio book was narrated by Pedro Pascal, who now has a hit show on HBO and another one on mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. And he's, one of, he's the actor du jour right now yeah. Pedro Pascal so he narrates my first novel and I, I, uh, now a lot of people are checking it out because of him so I'm very excited about that that's exciting and Pinata so, and, P- and Pinata is just it's just out and I yeah you know I think it's one of the best things I've ever done and you know we're we're working on a movie based on oh, Pinata wow. already so so there's going to be lots of uh powerful things that come out of this uh hopefully they come out of this book so I'm super excited no, that's fantastic. So I encourage our listeners to go check it out, Piñata. And um, also just, you know, thanks so much for your time, uh, for being here. Is there a place online you'd like to direct people? Do you have a, a website or a social media presence you'd like people to follow? Yeah, you? My, my, my Instagram is great. It's Leopoldo Leopoldo. And then my website is Leopoldo Gu, which is spelled G-O-U-T dot com. And I'm sure you can... Like put a link in the podcast of my website and my Instagram, uh, leopoldoglue.com or Leopoldo Leopoldo. Uh, it's in my Instagram, so they can find me. It's very easy to find me. <laughs> Excellent. And um, so everybody, check out the story, Piñata. And um, also just thank you to our listeners. Thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, for more info about our guests and to check out other interviews you can always search for us wherever you listen to your podcasts or always click to the storyblender.com i don't forget to like us and subscribe to receive our weekly podcasts tell your stories well my friends and always remember the art of the story is all in the blend take care everyone we'll see you next time